Nothing says education in Montgomery more than Huntingdon College. It has such a classic look that when the movie Big Fish was filmed in our area, they shot scenes here that supposedly happened at Auburn University. Sorry, Auburn fans. At any rate, if someone sits down to speak in a place like this, it automatically carries with it the idea of some kind of important learning. For the ancient Jewish people, however, the scene that would have most brought to mind the image of an important teaching would be for someone to go up on a mountain. After all, it was on Mount Sinai that Moses went up and received the Ten Commandments and the rest of God's Torah or law for the people of Israel. That's why we can be certain Matthew was deliberately calling that scene to mind when he starts off the famous Sermon on the Mount in chapter five of his gospel with these words. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. Now, if you go back and read the whole thing, Moses' teaching wraps up with a list of blessings and curses. Blessings if God's people obeyed the law and curses if they disobeyed it. The problem is, by the time Jesus comes along, the people have disobeyed it over and over again. And sure enough, they have experienced the curses that were forewarned as a consequence. Amazingly, Jesus picks up right there and speaks to the cursed, broken, sinful people of God and turns their despair upside down with these stunning announcements of a new round of blessings. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. When the professor sits down in the classroom and starts a lesson like that, well, you'd better pay attention. He's either completely crazy or he's got a message so radical it will change the world. Good morning. I am so thankful for creative people, aren't you? And I'm very thankful for Dr. Jeff Coat for uh, recording that video for us. I, I know that uh, if you're not in the room, I know you're watching online and Eddie Ray says he loves your fedora, by the way. <laughs> Just want you to know that. And actually the person who was sketched in that picture is one of the founders of Valiant Cross Academy here in Montgomery and I'm so thankful for them and their ministry in our city. Uh, also, I want to say welcome to all of you who are guests either in the room or watching online. For those of you in the room, would you please give a big hand to our online television audience. We love you, stay safe, and we're praying for you. One of the things I want to mention as we get started is, if you'll remember, last at the end of last year, we did a vision series, and we had commitment cards. I hope you haven't forgotten about those cards. Keep those in front of you uh, what it, so that you can live out what it is that you feel like God has called you uh, to do in this year and who it is that God has called you to be. Uh, as we're looking to, as a church, we want to fulfill the Great Commission by living the Great Commandment, by loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor 
as we love ourselves in healthy ways. And I hope you're praying for your one, that one person that you want to see come to Christ this year. It was amazing uh, this uh, week, I was able to attend uh, the funeral of Jan Botsford and just hear the testimonies of how she touched people's lives, even in her family, her brother being called into ministry because of her testimony and the testimony of her daughter. It was a beautiful, beautiful thing. And there's somebody out there that God wants you to touch so that they can be a part of the kingdom. That's part of our job as Christians. Amen? That's part of our, that wasn't a big amen. That's part of our job as Christians. Amen? Amen. 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 So let's keep that before us. And then also, uh, as Susan mentioned, the serve card. You can also fill that out online uh, for this next winter, spring, semester. Uh, what is it that God is calling you to do right now? What's that next step he's calling you to take? As John Ed gave us a very challenging message last week of moving from the sidelines to the front lines, and I put that before you as well. Now this morning, uh, one of the things that we're going to look at is not just the Beatitudes. We're going to walk through those as they were just read for us on the screen. But I'm also going to give you eight lies, eight lies that we must fight against. Have you ever believed a lie? Yep. If you don't believe that, then you're lying to yourself. We've all believed a lie at some point or another. And we also tell ourselves lies. That's what happens, you know, when we rationalize things. We tell ourselves rational lies all the time. And so we're going to be looking at that this morning. And then as we get started, uh, as always, we want to have a kingdom mindset here. We want to realize that the kingdom is bigger than just this church in this location. And so we're praying for a church each week, a different church in the river region. And today we get to pray for Pastor Bill Thompson and Grace Presbyterian just right down the road from us. So let's pray for them as we pray for ourselves this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. First of all, we say thank you for Grace Presbyterian. And we pray your blessings on them and on their members. Pray you would keep them safe in these difficult days. And Lord, we pray your blessings over Pastor Bill Thompson. Lord, would you keep him safe, protect his family, inspire his mind, and help him lead in these difficult days. Lord, we know that you have good things for them as they continue to grow your kingdom. Even some of the ministry initiatives that they have going on. Lord, we pray your blessings on them. And Lord, now we ask that you would bless us as we open your word. Would you speak to us? Would you speak? And may the kingdom come right here in this place just as it is in heaven. We pray this in Jesus' good and powerful name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. I want to start here. You know, the way you see the world determines how you define certain terms, right? The way you see the world in which you live with either God a part of it or God not a part of it, the way you see the world determines how you define certain terms. The way you see the world determines how you define what is good and what is not good. The way you see the world determines how you define what is right and what is wrong. The way you see the world determines how you define what is successful or unsuccessful. It's also true that the way you see the world determines how you define what is blessed and what is not blessed. The question is, whose perspective are you going to adopt? Who's gonna influence you? Now, as soon as I say that, a lot of times we say, oh, no, 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 not me. I make up my own mind. I come to my own conclusions. Well, I would beg the differ. See, the truth is we were created, God created us with the capacity to learn. And we have this capacity to be influenced by others and to influence others. 
Every one of us have been influenced by other people in our life. The question is, whose opinion or perspective do we value and we allow them, we let them influence our lives? It's a very important question. Very important question. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, we see that Jesus sees this crowd. And he goes up a mountain, he goes up a hill, and he sits down, and he begins to teach them. In the first century, as our video pointed out, that's normally what happened. Those doing the teaching would sit down, and those doing the listening would stand up. Would y'all like to try that this morning? We can. I'm only going to go about 45 minutes. It'll be fine. Jesus goes up the mountain, he sees the crowd, he sits down, and he begins to teach. But notice, Jesus saw the crowd. He didn't just see a sea of people. No, no, no. He saw this crowd. And in this crowd, there were some similar challenges. There were economic challenges. There were political challenges. There were religious challenges. There were moral challenges. There was all, all kinds of challenges that, that were, they all had in common. But also, they had diverse challenges. Each person, each family was uniquely going through certain situations at that time. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus speaks to all of them. We're just going to look at the first few verses here. What Jesus does is he steps before this crowd, he begins to teach, and what he does is he completely inverts how the world defines what it means to be blessed. Jesus stands up before this crowd and he completely reorients their thinking about what it means to be a blessed person. Now, we have to keep in mind, the people that Jesus is talking to here, the vast majority of them, they would not consider themselves blessed. In fact, they did not think they were blessable at all. But Jesus stands up right here and he begins to describe the condition of a person who is a recipient of kingdom blessings. And the first thing I want you to know is that the Beatitudes are first descriptive and then they are prescriptive. They are descriptive and prescriptive. Let's look at the descriptive part of it. Matthew 5 verse 3, Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. He says, blessed, you're blessed if you see your desperate need for God. You're blessed because the kingdom is yours, because you see that you need it. And there are some people out there in the crowd, and that's me. That's me. I'm poor in spirit. I see I desperately need God. He says in verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, who are overwhelmed with grief and sadness. Jesus says, you're blessed because you're, you're able to acknowledge your grief. And you're able to receive divine comfort from God. And there are people in the crowd who are going, that's me. That's where I'm at right now. Verse 5, he says, blessed are the meek. Or some of your translations say, humble. Meaning, you refuse to self-promote. You refuse to self-promote. He says, oh, you're blessed. You're going to inherit the earth. You say, what does that mean? He says, there's a divine inheritance for you that you don't have to take by force. God's going to give it to you. Verse 6, he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. He says, you, you, you seek solutions to the brokenness that you see in you and in the world around you. He says, oh, you're blessed. You're blessed. You're going to be satisfied. God's going to meet that desire. Verse 7, he says, blessed are the ones who show mercy. The ones who your heart breaks for the pain and the problems that you see around you. He says, you're going to be blessed because as you give mercy, you're going to receive mercy. That's a principle that runs throughout Scripture. Verse 8, he says, blessed are the pure in heart. Pure in heart, you have unmixed, unpolluted emotions, a sincere 
heart. He says, you're blessed because you're going to see God. There's going to be an awareness of God in your life. You're going to see him move and do amazing things. You're going to be able to recognize him. Verse 9, he says, blessed are the peacemaker, not peacekeeper. So many times we just want to keep peace. We, just want to, we, we, we as human beings, we don't like tension when it's very necessary in life, actually. I'll do a whole other sermon on that. But we, we, we try to avoid tension. He said, be a peacemaker. Step into conflict in order to make a difference. He says, oh, you're going to be blessed because people are going to call you a child of God. When you're a peacemaker, they're going to look at you and they're going to see the Father's nature living in you. And then he says, blessed are those who are persecuted. We don't like that one, of course. Verses 10 through 12. He says, you follow your convictions. And you're blessed because you're truly a part of the kingdom. As Luke eleven twenty eight 28 says, blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice, right? Not just hear it. Right here, as Jesus stands before this crowd, he is looking at people who do not consider themselves blessable. And he's completely changing the definition of what it means to be a blessed person. I, I love, we were sitting in a meeting as we were talking about this series, and Pastor Ken, who, who you heard from earlier, I, I love this, the way he phrased it. He said what Jesus is doing here is he's flipping the definition of blessed upside down so that it can be right side up. So many times it looks upside down to us, but it's actually Jesus is putting the kingdom right side up in our perspective. The person who taught me about this was a man you'll never meet. I met him in Memphis, Tennessee. His name was Lonnie. Lon Lonnie well, was tall, strong-looking guy, but here's where I met Lonnie. When I was in seminary in my mid-20s, I would volunteer in Memphis uh, with a burrito ministry. We would make food and we would take it downtown and we would pass it out to people who lived on the streets. And we'd give them a burrito, we'd give them an apple and water and things like that. And then I got involved in another ministry called Room in the Inn. And it's where we would take about 30 uh, of the people who were living on the streets, especially during the cold months. We'd put them in buses and cars and we would take them to a local church. And we would keep them overnight. And, and we would give them a shower hot meal. They, there would be people there to, uh, you know, interact with them. We'd give them a new change of clothes, all of that stuff. And you just spend all night with them. And one night about 1130, I was, uh, I was, I was sitting there and I, I saw Lonnie across the room. Now what you got to understand here is, is that my perspective at this moment was a little different than Lonnie's. You, you see, I had a car. I had a house. And I had a job. And if I'm being honest, I walked into helping these people who lived on the streets. I walked into that with kind of an attitude of, I'm blessed. I'm bl you know what? Blessed Chris needs to go help unblessed homeless people. You know what I mean? I'm blessed. I, I need to go give them some kind of blessing. I saw Lonnie sitting over there and I sat down beside him and we began to talk and you know you talk about things as you're getting to know someone and and I remember Lonnie just started to talk and he said you know what Chris he said a lot of people think that those of us who live on the streets are just drug addicts or convicts or whatever he says not true not for all of us 
He said, I was in the military. And when I got out of the military, I started work. And I found a good job, but the truth is, I was just living paycheck to paycheck. I was working on that, but, but then I got sick. And when I got sick and had to miss a week of work, my boss fired me. And when I lost my job, I lost my apartment. And when I lost my apartment, after that, I eventually lost my car. That's how I wound up here. And then he said, with such conviction, I'll never forget it. He looked at me and he said, Chris, I cannot tell you how blessed I am. And I'm sitting there thinking, no, 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 no. I'm the blessed one. I've got a car. I've got a house. I've got a job. He said, I cannot tell you how blessed I am. He said, I know I'm not going to be here forever. He said, I know, but right now, I'm walking with God every day of my life, and I know he's going to get me out of this. He said, not only that, you see these other people around here sitting in the room. He said, we take care of each other. He said, we make sure that, we, that each other has food. We, we make sure we have the medicine we need and everything. He said, he said, I've got God, and I've got a community around me. He said, I'm so blessed. And in that moment, Lonnie inverted what my definition of blessed really was. Because I was defining it in materialistic terms. It's exactly what Jesus is doing here. He's saying, you may have a definition of blessed in your mind, how you define it. Good for you. Good for you. But the way God defines blessed is very different very different. And this is where the prescriptive part comes in. It gets a little challenging for us. Let's go back through them. Verse 3, Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. You recognize your need for God. See, the lie we believe so many times is that I should be self-sufficient. I don't need anybody, and I certainly don't need God. Jesus shows up on the scene. He says, please see Please see your need for someone greater than you. Please see your need for someone to save you, for someone to sustain you in this life. You're not going to make it, but when you see it, you're blessed. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. You see, the lie we believe is that the goal in life is to live circumstantially happy. We move from happy to happy to happy. We avoid grief we avoid grief. We, 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 try to, we, we try to push it out of our lives as much as possible. Jesus steps up here and he says, no, no, no. Embrace those moments of grief in life. Embrace those moments so that divine comfort can come to you. So many times we walk around with the pain of our past because we never properly grieve and let God heal us in those moments. He says, no, grieve. Grieve. That, that's what it means to be blessed and to process that in a healthy, spiritual way. Jesus says, blessed are the meek or the humble. So many times the lie that we believe is that we have to push others down in order to raise ourselves up. Oh, and how we believe this one. None of us say we do, but, but so many times that's how we live. I have to push other people down in order to raise myself up. Jesus comes and he says, God will take care of you. You can be humble. You don't have to stroke your own ego in the kingdom. You don't have to do that. You don't have to try to discredit other people to give yourselves credit. It actually just discredits you. He says, you don't, have to, you don't have to live that way. You don't have to try to make others look bad in order to make yourself look good. It actually just makes you look bad. Jesus says there's another way to live. Then he says, 
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You see, the lie we believe here is that I just need to chase after whatever it is I want, whatever it is I desire. Jesus comes along, he says, there's actually another way to live here. Instead of contributing to the brokenness that you see in life, and getting caught in that vicious cycle, you can seek righteousness, that is things being put to right, and you can actually be an agent of healing in the world. And that can happen through you. Jesus says, blessed are those who are merciful, who show mercy. See, the lie we believe is that we are to have selective compassion. You have selective mercy. You have mercy on people who you like, who like you, and who are like you. Say that five times fast. Have mercy on people who you like, who like you, and who are like you. Jesus says there's another way to live. What if you could get past your selfish preferences and look people in the eyes and see someone who's created in God's image and see someone who God sent his son to die for and see someone that you can show mercy to? Mm. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. Pure in heart. The lie we believe so many times is your motive doesn't matter as long as you get your way. Your motive doesn't matter as long as you get what you want. Jesus steps before this crowd and us this morning and he says, oh, your motive matters. It really does. It matters even though other people can't see it because you know it and God knows it And your motive is the truest test of your character, who you really are. Blessed are the peacemaker. This is a big one. Again, not peacekeeper, peacemaker. See, the lie that we believe is you take care of yourself and you don't worry about them. Don't worry about them, whoever they are. We've already covered that in the series, haven't we? Right in the very beginning. You, you just take care of yourself. You keep peace with yourself. You don't step out there where there's conflict happening in the world and be a peacemaker. You let them take care of them. We see this playing out in, in our world so much today. Jesus is saying, we need peacemakers in the world. We need people who will step out. And their goal is to bring people together. We see it in politics Right? We do. I know I said the word politics and everybody gets nervous. We see it. We see it in politics. And it's so easy for us to sit here in the church and kind of throw stones out there at them, isn't it? When we see it in the church. God's calling people to be peacemakers, bring people together. So many times we see it among denominations. Why should the Methodists worry about the Baptists? Why should the Methodists worry about the Catholics or the Presbyterians or the Episcopalians? It's because we're all part of one body, are we not? One big universal church. We just said it in the Apostles' Creed. One Catholic church. That's why throughout this series, we're taking time to pray for other churches. Not just Methodist churches, other churches. Because Jesus said, I want you to be one. John 17. As I and the Father are one. That's one of his unanswered prayers, actually. 
And there's so much division and God's calling us to be peacemakers and bring people together. It even happens within our church. Listen, I've been in ministry for a, few, a couple of decades and it's the same three questions. The same three questions I got 20 years ago, the same questions I get today. You wanna know what they are? Chris, are you a local mission person or are you a global mission person? Yes. Last time I checked, it wouldn't go to some of the world, it was go to all the world. The issue is not local, global, the, the issue is missions. Be on mission, wherever you are. Second one, people say, Chris, uh, are you a Sunday school person or are you a small group person? The answer, yes. The issue is about getting Christians together in community, studying scripture, praying. Are you with me here? Two people are, all right, good deal. You know what the third question is? You know what it is. Are you a traditional worshiper or a contemporary worshiper? What's the answer? Yes, yes. thank you, yes. Last time I checked, worship was not about us. It was about the resurrected Savior who happens to be sitting on the throne right now. And so our style of however that plays out for us is really not the point. The point is worshiping him. I'm for missions. I'm for community. I'm for worship. And what God is doing is he's calling people to be peacemakers and bring people together, not contribute to the division that we see in our world. When you live out the Beatitudes, when you see your need for God, when you mourn, when you're meek, that strength under control, you, you don't want to self-promote but you hunger and thirst for righteousness. You have mercy toward other people. You're pure in heart. That's when you can bring people together, not contribute to the division. But the last one is this. Jesus is very honest here. He says, blessed are the persecuted. Jesus says, you want to live these out, like really live these out? It's going to be tough. And that's what I love about Jesus. He doesn't just sugarcoat everything and try to make everybody feel warm fuzzies on the inside. Jesus says, this is going to be hard. But the lie that we're told and that we believe so many times is that when it gets too hard, just give up. Give up when it gets too hard. Give in when it gets too hard. And Jesus says, no. It takes steadfastness, it takes perseverance, it takes consistency to see the kingdom come. And it'll cost you. Not everybody's gonna like it. You're not gonna win a popularity contest living out the Beatitudes, I'm sorry. It'll cost you. But Jesus says, this is the way of the kingdom. Now you may be sitting here thinking, how can I live out these Beatitudes? How can I do that? How can I live this out in my life? I, I wanna give you some very practical ways, very practical ways. And you've actually heard all of these things I'm about to say. Because we don't just do events here at this church. But we don't just do these random things here or there. No, we do what we do so that we can live out the words of Jesus. You wanna live out the Beatitudes? First, fill out a serve card. Find a place to serve. Find a place to be a peacemaker. Find a place to get with other people and hunger and thirst for righteousness. Second thing, you want to live out the Beatitudes? Be a part of our prayer vigil tonight. You see, that's not just something that we think is a really good idea. No, we're going to come together and we're going to declare that we're poor in spirit. We need God. 
And we're going to mourn. We're going to mourn with those who mourn. That's why we're doing it. And we're going to rejoice with those who rejoice. When we come together for a prayer meeting like tonight, it's to live out the teachings of Jesus. Again, not just because we think it's a really good idea. Another way that you can live out the Beatitudes is uh, register for the women's conference. I think that eliminates about half of you in the room, but those of you it applies to. Or, or the seminar we're going to do on the Sermon on the Mount. That's when we come together and we say, no, we are hungering and thirst, thirsting for righteousness. Join a group. Join a group. That's where we learn what it means to live a life of mercy. We learn what it means to live a life of humility. These things that we do as the church, they're not just kind of random things, again, that we just think are kind of cool. They're things that help us live out the teachings of Jesus each and every day. I believe that for the kingdom of God to come on earth as it is in heaven, we must submit our definition of what it means to be blessed to him. And we must be willing to let him define what that means and live it out. For us to have a kingdom attitude, we have to say, God, show me. Show me. And let me live my life based off your definitions and not my own. Amen? Amen. Father, I thank you. I thank you that we come to these moments in your word and they're so challenging. But Lord, they're challenging because you love us. I pray that we would not reduce our relationship with you to our own broken definitions. And I pray that we would live, seek to live a life that's truly blessed on your terms and not ours. For every person in this room, for every person watching online on television, I pray that we would submit our definition of what it means to be blessed to you and live as you direct us. I pray this in Jesus' good and powerful name. And everybody said...